0: Hello friends and welcome to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, and I'm a Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you enjoy what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and Odyssey. Subscribing is completely free and it ensures you never miss another episode. Most of all, though, we just really love and appreciate your support, as every single listen does in fact count, and you wonderful listeners are why we do this. On tonight's show, there are some like news bits to get through, and then I also wanted to continue our Advent Calendar series, which has been a fun time walking through some of the best recent players in Jets history, as well as some really cool moments that have happened over the years. We've covered stuff like the 2017-2018 Jets, the greatness of Matthew Perot, the excellence of Tobias Enstrom and Dustin Bufflin, all the great stuff like that. But before we talk about the past, uh, it is time to talk a little bit about the present, and right now the NHL is definitely in the midst of a uh, a COVID crisis. I think the league has something like 100-plus people in COVID protocol. It's not that every single person is testing positive, but of course, uh, through contact tracing and certainly uh, tests themselves, They've determined that a lot of people have either been exposed or actually are testing positive, even if they're asymptomatic. I mentioned earlier that at some point this would probably lead to a pause in the season, even if it wasn't that long. And in fact, the NHL is actually pausing for a couple days before the Christmas break, which I think in practice would basically be like one or two extra days over what it would have been um, having just the regular Christmas break with no additional pause. I don't know how much the break is really going to do other than just have a couple of guys go into quarantine or something earlier. Either way, I just think this was pretty much inevitable. The league right now is dealing with a COVID crisis, uh, the likes of which it hasn't really seen since COVID kind of started. I mean, we haven't really had a league-wide outbreak like this maybe ever. I I don't recall having so many players going into protocol. Part of that was because they did the whole bubble system, so I think that negated a lot of the potential risks and made sure that, for the most part, players were definitely isolated and they could play pretty freely with minimal risk of exposure. Now that, of course, restrictions have been lifted and, for the most part, things are pretty, I would say, normalized to a degree, I think it means that there's been a lot more routes of exposure, we have more variants, and so... It's just been a bit of a messy situation and I think the league honestly just needs to pause just to have time to develop some new protocols. I think a lot of players are going to throw a fit, which it wouldn't really surprise me. Um, And I'm not going to be I would say super judgmental in certain ways. I I think it's unfair for me to say that players should feel X or Y in part because um, you know, when a lot of them were going through the isolated play, the mental health situation wasn't great. And so from that Perspective, I understand why it probably sucks having to go through all of this, and I'm sure that they're not happy about it. But, you know, like I said in, in a previous episode, it's about taking care of your community. It's about making sure that, you know, not just yourself, but others around you are safe. And I don't mean like their teammates, uh, families with um, immunocompromised folks, just ordinary passerbys that they might encounter when they're out shopping or something. There are so many other people out there who may not have the vaccine. Or even if they do, they might be at risk of still contracting COVID and maybe having very serious symptoms. The league taking a pause here was necessary, but I don't know how much is going to change with the addition of like one or two days of stoppage. Maybe they're trying to develop better COVID protocols and stuff that maybe they feel is a bit less restrictive on the players, but still gets the job done. I'm not entirely sure if they're trying to make this the only stoppage of the season. My guess is we're going to have more if they keep trying to go this route of of playing the year out. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if the season itself got shortened. It's just, with how COVID is developing and how fast it's moving, it might be difficult to find a scenario where the league has the full season and after this brief stoppage, you know, doesn't have any other impacts. We've had so many players going into protocol. So many guys have been away from the team for multiple weeks. And so, it's played havoc on the schedule, and honestly, I think the standings have seen very significant impacts. You know, the New York Islanders, even if the Isles aren't that great of a team this year, it's really hard to judge them all that much because they've just had so many injuries and players in protocol to the point where they couldn't even dress like a full lineup for weeks at a time. So, I don't really know what the best solution is here. Obviously, Olympics not happening. Um, The rest of the season still looks like it's pretty safe. I would imagine that, you know, uh, players who are going to the World Juniors are going to be loaned out still. I'm sure that that is at least a minor concern because I know that they're trying to limit cross-border travel, and some of these prospects may be playing for teams that are based in the States somewhere, so I don't really know how all that's going to work, but for the time being, it does seem like the league is trying to go business as usual as much as possible. I do think... At least one or two other stoppages are probably in in the the NHL's future. I just don't really see a scenario where everything after the Christmas break goes smoothly. I'd love for it to happen, but I don't really think that that's going to be the case. Instead, I think the league is just hoping that uh, things at least settle down for the next couple of weeks while they try and figure out some kind of a protocol going forward. I don't really think that there is an easy answer for what should come next. You know, I think there's been a lot of debate over weather testing every day is really necessary. Um, That, for me, is going to have to be... I I don't know. I feel like that's going to have to be the norm. You know, with so many cases popping up around the league, it seems pretty rough. If it was a situation where players were just staying inside the bubble, maybe it wouldn't be as big of a deal, in part because they're not going around and interacting with a lot of other people. But if they're going to be out in the public... Unfortunately, I think they do need to be aware of whether or not they're infected. I mean, it's just part of the reality. You know, everyone who's kind of going through the same things as ordinary civilians, they also have to get tested themselves. It's an unfortunate reality of a situation where we don't really have a lot of control over how quickly this thing spreads, in part because so many people don't even know they have it. The best we can do is limit contact, do daily testing, do what we can, and hopefully at least slow the spread a bit. If the NHL makes any further adjustments to their COVID policy, I'll be sure to let you know and kind of discuss the implications of it. But for now, that is going to be where we table the conversation for now. We're going to move on to continuing our Advent Calendar series, which we have talked about many players, many moments in recent Jets history. And for tonight's show, I wanted to uh, basically talk about two particular players that I think have played very pivotal roles with this franchise, And how they've kind of shaped the recent core of this team as the Jets have tried to build around a a foundation that they feel is competitive worthy. Before we go any further though, I thought you should hear a little bit about Boost Mobile and why their brand new 5G networks should be your number one choice for all of your mobile comms needs. When you listen to podcasts, you're looking for the power of the inside track. When you switch to Boost Mobile, you're looking for the power of saving money. That's because with Boost, you get the power of a free 5G phone so you can listen to the latest episodes and keep up with your favorite players and teams, all backed by the power of three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line. So your family can share in all the insights, trades, happiness, heartbreaks, and everything in between that define the experiences of sports fans the world over. Better yet, Boost Mobile comes with one of the biggest and most powerful 5G networks in the US so you can do it all at the speed of 5G. With all that money you'll save and that edge you'll be gaining, just how powerful will you become? Switch to Boost Mobile today and find out. When you make the switch to Boost Mobile, you'll receive a free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G phone so you can get all the power you need in your next phone. More power to save. Boost Mobile. Disclaimer, free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers and coverage not available everywhere or for all phones and networks. See boostmobile.com for additional details. Hello friends and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. Thanks for making Locked on Jets your first listen of the day every day. We are now moving on to continuing our Advent Calendar series, which has been a fun little trip down memory lane with some of the recent players and great moments in Jets franchise history. Uh, And I I thought that there would be an interesting time to talk about a couple of players that I think have shaped a lot of how Winnipeg has tried to build certain parts of this team around them. And it hasn't always worked. Uh, You know, I think some of these players one of whom is no longer with the Jets. You know, these guys had very specific roles, and uh, once they were kind of moved and changed, things fell apart for a few years for at least one of the players. The other guy actually had a bit of a rough start, too, in his new team, but ended up recovering. Um, And, of course, I'm talking about Jacob Truba and Josh Morrissey. Morrissey didn't really recover after that, that pairing got split, and it was interesting because these two I think for a lot of Jets fans, we all thought that they would be our anchor first pairing. You know, you had Truba, who was, in many respects, an elite defender in his prime. The fact that he could make Mark Stewart look not as bad is kind of amazing. Jake always had pretty tough deployments, and it seemed like the Jets wanted him to be their future number one offensive two-way defender which is kind of funny because Truba, you know, at the time when he first joined the team, he actually defended a lot better. But as the years wore on, he kind of started cheating for offense. And as you saw him become more offensively aggressive, I I think the value of what he brought became more questionable in certain areas. I still think that Truba is a very good two-way D, and it's clear that the Jets very much miss his impact. But, you know, when he signed his deal with the Rangers for like, $8 or so, it was kind of a bullet dodged, I feel. The Jets, you know, they just don't really have the facilities to be paying a player like Truba that much money, in part because Jake is probably not going to be worth that much over the next few years. Instead, they opted to put the cash into Josh Morrissey, and I think Morrissey presents one of the more interesting cautionary tales of a player who Winnipeg really loves and really felt was ready to take the next step as, like, our future franchise Cornerstone D., it didn't really pan out that way, though. I think Josh, a lot of what he does works best when he's paired with somebody who's the more assertive partner, um, somebody who really does a lot of the puck carrying, the transition, and the dominant possession inside the offensive zone. If Josh is in a more supplementary or supporting role as, like, an elite number two, I think his game just tremendously improves. And that's kind of where the loss of Truba, I think, really hit the team hard. Not only did the Jets lose an elite you know, right-handed D, a guy who was, like, elite at certain things at the time when he was with the team, Um, even if his overall game may not have been fully elite, he still had a tremendous impact on Winnipeg's ability to transition the play, and certainly he was effective on the power play. Uh, He was very much an even-strength monster, and he did a lot of puck-carrying for the Jets, which, you know, after he left the back end, definitely stagnated, because we also lost Bufflin not long after that, and so the team's defense... Really didn't have a lot of speed or mobility, certainly not a lot of high end skill either. We had lots of guys who were very big and very physical, but that was kind of it. And it left Josh Morrissey on a bit of an island. And I think Morrissey really struggled for many years because, you know, the guys that he was getting partnered with, they didn't really have that skill set to where they could emulate what Truba did. And Morrissey himself, he's just not really that kind of lead number one. I think a lot of his decision-making under pressure when he's being asked to be the de facto top dog doesn't really match with what the Jets were hoping for. And oftentimes it just seems like he makes a lot of poor reads, which I didn't really expect. But when you pair him with somebody who's a lot more aggressive and more um, offensively minded and can kind of control the puck a lot more frequently, Morrissey turns into a different player. It's very interesting. I don't see this often with a lot of players, you might see it with like forwards, you know, you have like a sniper and then your center is some really good playmaker who can kind of feed that sniper wing. But with the the defense, I didn't really expect Morrissey to fall off as much as he did once Truba left. Those guys just had a really natural synergy. And so, you know, I, I kind of wondered how would the Jets try to replace that impact? And I think the addition of Nate Schmidt and what he's brought over this past season has been a bit of a a windfall for Morrissey, and I think it's helped Josh get back on the right track. Morrissey has looked a lot more like his old self, even if his overall impacts on the ice still have a couple of issues. It's like worlds better than what we saw last year and in previous seasons. This is more of the Morrissey that we had when Truba was around, and so I think in a lot of respects, it's kind of like a throwback in some ways. Schmidt actually plays a bit of a similar game to Truba, although I think... In my mind, Schruba was a much more um, physically aggressive defender, and also, in his own end, maybe a little bit more effective in certain areas. Schmidt's more of the kind of guy who likes to cheat for offense, and I think, you know, he doesn't really box guys out. He's not as much of a uh, a net front presence. He really is kind of an all-offense kind of defender, so in that respect, I think he's definitely a little bit of a change of pace for Morrissey, but he's still that aggressive, attacking-minded blue liner, and I think that's what... Morrissey has really benefited from the most. It's interesting, though, that it's taken the team this long to try and address that hole. I don't know if they they just finally realized Morrissey wasn't really the number one they expected. If they had recognized it sooner, I think this team would have had much fewer issues, at least with the defense, and we would be complaining about it a lot less. But as it is, you know, the team figured it out a little bit too late. At least now they've they've tried to rectify it and maybe there's a chance at uh, getting Morrissey back on track and making more value out of his current deal. His contract isn't cheap and I know that there's at least a decent amount of question about whether the Jets should keep him long term. I honestly don't know the right answer for that. I feel bad even thinking about trading him, but there may come a time where the Jets have to make some sort of a financial decision and they may end up having him move on. I don't think that that's going to actually happen. At least not for the next few seasons, but maybe one day down the road. They will mutually agree to part ways. I don't think that's likely. I think Morrissey really loves playing for the Jets, but, you know, strange things have happened before. So let's hope that for the time period that Josh is a member of the Jets, that he continues to enjoy hockey, that he has fun. I know that he has had a very tough past couple of uh, couple of months. It's been a strange thing for him, I'm sure. But if he can at least enjoy hockey a little bit and, and have some fun out there, I think it would do wonders for his confidence and for his performance. Even though Morrissey has had a few rough seasons over the past couple of years, he has at least been able to enjoy some of the more fun moments here in recent Jets history, and one of those moments that we'll cover in just a moment is Winnipeg sweeping the Oilers during last season's playoffs. Before we get to that, though, I thought you should hear a little bit about BetOnline.ag and why they should be your number one destination during the holiday season for all of your online betting needs. BetOnline has you covered all season for more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. Not into football? No problem, because BetOnline has you covered for all of the other sports action you could possibly want. It should be your number one destination for all your online betting needs. Head to their new, updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Whether you want to place some bets on a Baltimore Ravens game, or you're more interested in who might be your standout scorer from the next Winnipeg Jets outing, Bet Online should be the only place you place your online bets on that next hotly anticipated game. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action, so don't hesitate to sign up today for a free account, and be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive that 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Hello friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are closing out tonight's Advent Calendar uh, episode with some fond memories of the Jets sweeping the Oilers. It was basically like winning the Stanley Cup for Jets fans, because let's be honest, we don't really have a lot else to hang our hats on. Uh, but, you know, beating the Oilers in the playoffs and winning in four games against McDavid was pretty flippin' shocking. I mean, I don't think anyone saw that coming. Uh, and and Hellebuck really put in a ridiculous shift. A, a shift so ridiculous that I think a lot of people thought the team was better than it was, and they were thinking that against the Habs, the Jets were actually going to come through. We, uh, we found out real quickly that that really wasn't the case. But... Uh, At least we got to enjoy, you know, Oilers fans on Twitter going absolutely ballistic over that series loss. It was supposed to be their year, yada, 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 McDavid this, McDavid that. Then we had the McDavid waterworks about penalties not being called. Yeah, congratulations, that's the rest of the NHL. Star players definitely should get more calls, but it happens to everyone. That's just how the league is. Want to get more calls? Then you'd better hope that the league actually fixes its officiating issues, which it's not going to do because the league doesn't care. That aside, though, I mean, the, the endless memes and content that came out of that four-game sweep were, you know, absolutely delicious. I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Even if the rest of the season kind of sucked afterwards, we at least got to watch the uh, the Oilers ride into the wonderful Albertan Sunset, while the Jets had to face the team that would eventually go on to the Stanley Cup Finals and then promptly get smoked by the Tampa Bay Lightning. In many ways, getting uh, destroyed by Montreal probably did the Jets a bit of a favor, but You know, even still, it would have been nice to go to the Cup Finals. We did get to enjoy a pretty fun playoff series against the Oilers. I thought the Jets uh, didn't really play all that well, but we did get to see some cool Kyle Connor goals. The, The series winning goal was actually the funniest thing. I think it showed a lot of what was wrong with the Jets that year. Connor just straight up parking himself in the neutral zone for no particular reason. He was supposed to be back checking, you know, but he he doesn't always do that. And so he was completely wide open for a breakaway pass. McDavid got a bit dummied. I think it was by, like, Neil Pionk or something. And just like that, Kyle Connor is in on goal and wins it for the Jets. And so Winnipeg completes the sweep. McDavid and company exit in absolute disarray. And uh, the Oilers really haven't been the same since. I'm kidding about that last part. The Oilers are fine for the most part, except Dave Tippett kind of sucks. But I'm sure that uh, Edmonton fans were kind of pissed. And I, I would be, too, if I were them. I I think the Oilers have really done a poor job of managing that team. You know, Ken Holland is not as bad as Peter Chiarelli, I think. But, you know, that team has so much potential. And when I complain about Winnipeg not really realizing all that it could be, I think the Oilers are a really good, uh, you know, analogous partner in that respect. They frankly should not be as bad as they are. And it's kind of depressing at times to see McDavid's best years getting wasted. But, you know, for a a four-game playoff series in which the Jets kind of just smashed them on the score sheet thanks to Connor Hellebuck backstopping the rest of uh, their mistakes, it was really good for content and funny memes and stuff. But, yeah, the Oilers probably have a lot of things to figure out pretty soon. I, I think that the number of years they can continue disappointing and underwhelming is definitely running out. McDavid's patience is not infinite. And while he did sign that contract extension, you do have to think at some point he will want out. I'd love to hear what your favorite recollection of that series is, though. Maybe there was a goal or something that stood out, a save here and there that could have decided the series early on. Be sure to let me know at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. For tonight's podcast, though, that is going to do it. Thanks for making Locked on Jets your first listen of the day every day. Now make your second listen Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all your favorite platforms, so be sure to like, follow, and subscribe. And as always, thank you so much for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!